Hey podcasters, this week's podcast is a little different because this past Sunday was Celebration Sunday at Faith Church. And our celebration service has some special elements in it, including communion. And so on the podcast, you're going to hear Pastor Eric giving us an explanation of communion before we took communion. And then there's a little break where we had communion and my message starts. And so there's just a kind of a, a brief transition from Pastor Eric's message on communion to my Celebration Sunday message. Another part of the service is the 2019 highlight video uh, that we showed, and if you'd like to see that, you can check it out on our church Facebook page or YouTube channel. It just has the highlights from the previous year and how good God was to us throughout 2019. So some of you might be familiar with what we're doing this morning, and others may be completely unfamiliar. Uh, as to why there is grape juice and crackers at the front of the service, right? Um, So we all have our unique family traditions. For some, it might center on holidays, and for others, it might be a way of remembering a unique or special event that took place in your life. Uh, Cherish and I actually celebrated one yesterday. It was February 8th last year that I met her. I was set up on a blind date by Tammy, Um, and it was an awkward Date. I mean, never met her before in my life. And yesterday we went back to the exact spot where we met and had a conversation about how crazy it is, how different things are 365 days later, uh, to look back on what happened. Um, and in the same way, we've got this table that says, in, in remembrance of me. And what we're going to talk about this morning is why are we doing what we're doing? Um, this is supposed to be something to remember an event that took place. In a much more serious and special way, we're taking part in an ancient tradition that connects us to Jesus' followers from thousands of years ago all the way to today. And we want to make it especially clear what we're doing. This has been one of the most important aspects of the church from the time it began. One of the most common things, church has changed in the past couple thousand years, but there's one thing that's always been true of the church, and that it's been taking communion and the preaching of the word. Some thought it was a good opportunity to get drunk. You see this in 1 Corinthians 11. Um, Some people brought their own meals and wouldn't share with the people who didn't bring anything. Um, They took it as an opportunity to be prideful in what they had um, and to not share with the needy. Um, It was a way that people became oppressors. And there were a lot of instructions from Paul about how to do this properly. So what is communion? Communion is the visible gospel. We center our services on the gospel of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, which draws us who are far away from God so close that we are now called sons and daughters of God. We sing the gospel. We pray the gospel. We hear the gospel preach. But in this part of the service, and in this special event, we get to see the gospel visibly and taste the gospel. Um, Today, we will see and touch these symbolic reminders of Jesus' sacrificial love and grace on the cross. But in order to fully understand the significance, we will take a couple steps backwards into uh, the initiation of the supper before it was called the Lord's Supper. So something unique about the Bible is that God commanded his people make no representation of him. All the nations around made representations of their God. They had statues. um, They had totem poles, they had all like little visible reminders of who their God was, and they would offer incense and sacrifice at these things. But the children of Israel were supposed to be different. 
Um, instead, they were supposed to be a people of words, not images. Instead, he gave people, his people words, and he gave them feasts to remember those words and to remember what God had done. So everything else in the world is represented by pictures or statues, but God knew that man would worship the thing created over the creator. And he told his people to remember certain events in which God acted on earth. God told Israel to take a day off, the Sabbath, to remember God's completion rest in creation. To remember their reliance on God, to do, for God to do in six days what other nations couldn't do in seven. He was gonna, God was going to take care of them. He also, whenever they went into the promised land, told them to erect 12 unhewn stones as a memorial that God had delivered them into the place that he had promised. And this would be a visible reminder that they would look back on every time they passed those 12 stones, they would see God delivered us into this place. But the central event that God's people remembered when Jesus was on earth, even, even then, a thousand years later, was Passover. And in Passover, the Jewish people remembered how God took them out of Egypt. The Jews left their homeland during a famine, but their visit um, became a home after many years. And when the new Egyptian king came to rule, he did not deal kindly with the Israelites. The place that had been a refuge in a tough time became a place of slavery and of death. The Egyptians made the Jews work without materials that they needed, and they were abused. He even killed their firstborn sons. God sent a man whose name was Moses to deliver them from Egypt and back into the land that God had given them. God proved that he was the only true God and that he alone was worthy of human worship. Fear, time, and praise. He was worthy of those things. He miraculously brought them through the Red Sea and back to the land that they left so long ago. When they made this exodus, so we have that book of the Bible, uh, it just means their exit. So when they made this exit, they were shooed away quickly. Uh, kind of like whenever you think of maybe your dog has been trying to mooch at the table for a while and you're like you've smacked him a couple times and then you're like, get out of here. All right, that's what the, the king of Egypt did, Pharaoh. He, he had had enough, been through ten plagues, the final even killing the firstborn son of all of Egypt. And he said, get out of here, Israelites. I'm done with you people. I Just leave. So abruptly, in the middle of the night, they are told to get out. Um, and because it was the middle of the night, now they're, they're about to journey into the wilderness. There's not food out there. And what do they do? They make bread, but they don't have time to put in yeast. So this, it's this unleavened bread. Bread that hasn't risen, it was, it's quick bread, right? Um, and so they make this bread, and they, they go on a journey abruptly. And they don't have time to pack their things, and they leave really abruptly. So um, after this great mass of people left, um, they got to a place where they could go no further. They were at the Red Sea. So they're, they're stuck between Egypt and the Red Sea. And then Pharaoh thinks, and he's like, why am I letting all these people go? They're my labor force. They've been doing all this work for me, and now I don't have workers. So he, he changes his mind, and he comes after the people of Israel. And they're at the Red Sea, and it looks like all hope is lost. But in this time, God uses Moses to part the Red Sea, and they walk through on dry land, and they escape Pharaoh and all of his army. And whenever Pharaoh and his army pursue them through the parted waters, the waters crash down on them and they are wiped out. So this was an amazing deliverance. Um, and whenever the people of Israel took Passover, they remembered this event, that God saved them 
from this amazing struggle, from this terrible situation. This was the central event of God's salvation. So the cup they would take. So we're, we're going to take the cup. But whenever they took the cup, what they remembered was God's wrath poured out on the Egyptians. Um, and the cup is often an illustration of this in the Bible. But then the bread was this illustration of whenever they didn't have time to make real bread because they had to leave in the middle of the night. So it's instead of having a loaf of bread today, we're not giving you a loaf of bread. We're giving you like a cracker type thing. And that's because it was unleavened bread that they used then. But something's changed. Whenever Jesus came to, to practice Passover, he did it in a different way. Um, the Jews were told to recreate the bread and take the cup to remember God's judgment came, came on Egypt, that God was merciful and, and saved them in a time of need. He was faithful to his promise, and Passover would remind them of God's faithfulness and salvation. It is at this feast that we find Jesus and the disciples in the passage we're going to read. So this is in Matthew 26, 26 through 32. This is what Jesus says. Uh, and this is what happens whenever Jesus is taking Passover. He's remembering this event. He says, And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it. And he gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it. For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new, anew with you in, in my Father's kingdom. So Jesus took this Jewish celebration that had been practiced for hundreds and hundreds of years, and instead of saying, okay, now we're just going to keep doing the same thing, he knew what was about to take place, that he was about to go to the cross, and he said, take this bread in remembrance of me. Take this cup in remembrance of me. So all of these packed symbols that were supposed to remind people of God's faithfulness, now would remember they would remember God's faithfulness, but it's not in the form of the parting of the Red Sea. It's not in the form of that rushed exit out of Egypt, but instead by what Jesus did on the cross. The salvation of Israel was temporary. They, they soon ran into dangers after that point. They, they soon found themselves hungry. In, in the desert, they found themselves unfaithful. They found themselves even worshiping other gods. Um, and it, it was because they didn't remember this event. It wasn't a once and for all thing. They, they quickly parted from God. But um, Jesus' salvation on the cross is forever. It was a once and for all event. Paul tells one church uh, in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six, For as oft as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do to show the Lord's death till he come. When we take the bread and the cup, we remember the payment that he that had to be paid for our sins. Whenever we take the cup, we remember the blood that was spilled for our sins. Jesus' blood on the cross. He was the once and for all salvation of mankind. He didn't just get us out of a bad situation. He didn't just do it to make our lives easier. He gave us new life by giving up his own life. He took our sin, our shame, and our unworthiness on the cross. His body was broken like the bread that we're about to eat. His blood was spilled and it flowed like the grape juice before us. He gave up everything for our salvation, not from, so, not from some oppressive government, but from captivity to our own evil desires and from the evil powers of this world. We are set free forever in him 
He paid the price, and today we remember that by taking the bread and the cup, which is the visual gospel. Now, Celebration Sunday is not just about celebrating what God has done and given us opportunity to be a part of. Uh, it's celebrating how He is making a difference in lives, how He's changing people. Um, and, and in that context, and not just the, the context of celebrating uh, that fun things are happening, uh, but celebrating that lives are being changed, I want you to know this morning that God loves a party. He does. Uh, Pastor Eric uh, shared with us that the, the Jews would have these feasts, and he commanded his people to set aside multiple days for multiple feasts every year to celebrate his goodness. And so the Old Testament, we have this representation of God loving uh, a party. Um, but in the New Testament, there's this moment where Jesus is being accused of being a party animal. He's accused of being a, a drunkard. Uh, he's accused of partying with the wrong crowd. And in Luke 15, Jesus tells us three stories. Uh, he tells us three stories that all have the same point. And we don't have time to go through all three of these stories. But I just want to point out a few passages, a few verses here in Luke 15. Verse 1 says, Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. It was all of the party people. That's who's around Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes, the religious murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth, eateth with them. Elsewhere they would call him a friend of sinners. And he spake this parable unto them. What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it? And pay attention to verse 5. And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders rejoicing. When he's found it, he picks it up and he rejoices. But that rejoicing is not just for the shepherd. The rejoicing is for others as well. Look at verse 6. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. Likewise, likewise, Joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. To drive the point home even further, Jesus then tells the story of instead of a shepherd losing a lamb, there's a woman who loses a priceless coin. And she turns the house upside down looking for this missing coin. And if you are like my wife, who cannot stand it. If something is missing, you know what it's like to just, we're going to turn the whole house upside down until we find this missing thing. And when she finds it, Jesus says, verse 9, she calleth her friends and her neighbors together saying, rejoice with me, for I have found the piece, the coin which I had lost. The shepherd who finds the lost lamb, the woman finds the lost coin. Both of them say, come and rejoice with me. But then Jesus tells a much longer story about a man who has a son who is lost, who goes off into the far country, who nearly loses his life, who spends his, his days with reckless living. But then he comes home. And the son expects to be made a servant or a slave in his father's household. But in response to his return, his homecoming, the father says this 
in 22. But the father said unto his servants, bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to be merry. Which is the King James Version of And they started to party. They were celebrating. On Celebration Sunday, we don't just celebrate the fact that we had fun at Vacation Bible School. We had fun at the parade. We celebrate the fact that lives are being changed. And that's the reason that we always end the video with baptism. Because baptism is this visible demonstration of people saying, I want to go public with my faith, my commitment to Jesus. And we should celebrate that. Because that's what Jesus founded us for. That's the reason He placed us here. Years ago, before we had the Coast Guard, and our nation was very young, and so much trade would happen in our ports and harbors, different communities that were harbor towns and port cities, they kind of put together their own form of a volunteer fire department, except their purpose was not fighting fires, but rather saving people who were lost at sea. They were called rescue societies. And whenever a ship was in trouble or going down or there was a man overboard or lost at sea, the bell would ring and all of the people who belonged to the rescue society who had little ships would jump into their boats and head out into the harbor, head out into the port to search for and rescue those that were lost at sea. And then they would return with those that they had rescued. And when they returned, the people of the harbor town or port city would be ready to throw a party celebrating their acts of heroism, their bravery, their courage, and the lives that had been saved. That's a great picture of what the church is to be. We're to be a rescue society. That's what the church is. The church is God's rescue society saving souls. That's what we're about. The Coast Guard, or the precursor to the, post, the Coast Guard, the uh, United States Life-Saving Service, came in and became more organized and kind of took the place of the Rescue Society. But the people loved the parties that the Rescue Society would hold. And so they didn't want to see the rescue society to go away. They still wanted to have the parties and the celebrations, even though they weren't going out into the harbors and ports to do the rescuing. They decided to still band together. It's people who have boats and like to party. And that's where yacht clubs came from. And unfortunately, there are many churches that look more like a yacht club than a rescue society people who have something in common and like to get together and have a good time. And that's not what we're about. I love to get together with you and have a good time. I love to fellowship. I love to, to have fun and play games. But the purpose in all of this, may we never forget the purpose in all of this is rescuing lost souls. That's what we're about. That's been our purpose from the beginning. That's the reason our church was started. This congregation was not formed in Newburgh in the late 70s because someone was mad at someone and didn't want to go to church with them anymore. 
This church was not formed because someone wanted a church that fit their particular brand. This church was founded to reach lost people in this county. That's what it's been about from the beginning. And Jesus told us that when one lost soul is found, one lost person is brought to Jesus, that there is celebrating in heaven. And today, when a lost soul comes to know God and is rescued, the party that happens in heaven includes our founding pastor who had a heart for the lost. God has been good to us. So good to us. He's given us the opportunity to reach more people than ever before, to have a greater impact. What that means is that things look differently today than they did a year ago this time. It means that our worship teams are larger, our kids' ministry volunteer teams are larger. It means that we have two service times, we have an extra parking lot. Why? Because there are more souls to be rescued. The need is great. In fact, the need is so great, it reminds me of the beginning of World War II. The British had crossed the channel to go and fight alongside the French as Germany was pushing across the continent. They were unsuccessful in their efforts to hold back the German forces, and so in a strategic retreat, they slowly drew back to a small place called Dunkirk. And there at Dunkirk, there were nearly 400,000 soldiers waiting for rescue. The Germans were coming on them hard. Tanks were just plowing across France. The air force of the German Luftwaffe was coming and strafing these lines of soldiers waiting on the beach for ships to come and rescue them. The situation was dire. Britain looked like they were going to lose the majority of their army as they were sitting ducks on this beach. But on May 26th of 1940, King George VI went on the radio and called for a national day of prayer and asked for the nation to repent and to approach God pleading with Him that their troops would be saved. The military was preparing ships. They thought that maybe of the 400,000, they'd be able to rescue 35 or 40,000. A tenth. After this national day of prayer and repentance, two things happened. One, a heavy storm rolled in over Dunkirk, making it impossible for the German Air Force to continue their strafing run. And suddenly, a great calm came on the waters of the English Channel. And the British called for all the small ships of England to make way across the Channel to Dunkirk. So much bombing had taken place in Dunkirk that there was very little place for large ships to dock. And so they needed all of the small ships, the ships that people would have used in an old rescue society. The ships that belong to yacht clubs. And regular British sailors, people with their fishing boats and their yachts, made their way across the English Channel. And 700 small ships 
700 small ships rescued all, all of the troops remaining on that beach. The people in England called it the miracle of Dunkirk. There are millions of lost people all around us. And God has called us to be a little ship that makes our way into the waters, that braves the oncoming enemy air force to rescue those that are perishing. When the troops were brought back across the water, they were terrified that they were going to be looked at with great dishonor because they had lost. But what took place in Britain is that there was an incredible celebration. Though the Germans were breathing down their necks, though they, they, things did not look good, they knew that God had given them a miracle. And they celebrated the return of their army to fight another day. America would join in the fight. And using Britain as its staging ground, would go back across the channel to Normandy and take on the Germans and turn the tide of the war. There are many gospel-preaching churches in our community and in our world, and I'm thankful for them. But we have a call. Faith Church is called to be one of those little ships in God's rescue society and life-saving service. That's what God has called us to do. And for this moment, this morning, we're celebrating the fact that so many people have been brought back from the brink, have been saved, been rescued. And in the coming days and in the upcoming year, there are things that we're going to have to do to change up again. Times that we'll need to become a little bit more organized, a little bit more like a Navy and less like a band of pirates. Because there are still so many that are lost that need to be brought back across the shore. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer.